Anyway, uh, we're, we, we, um, we're launching today a new series called Gifts That Grow, and I want to pick up, pick up today where we left off last week. Uh, if you missed last week, let me show you a picture. It's a picture of the tallest tree in the world. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and don't quote me on this, but I think it is the, the largest living organism in the world, um, uh, is, is uh, this California redwood tree called Hyperion. It's uh, 116 meters tall. And what we discovered last week, that the root system of that tree that every one of us expected the, 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 the root system of a 116-meter tree to be like 100 meters down into the depths of the rock so that it's gone really deep and anchored. And it actually is not the case, that there's not a root on that tree that goes deeper than three meters down. That that little oak over there, that's my heart, is the depth of the root system of that tree. How it survives is that it's in going laterally with its roots and intertwining with the roots of other trees that together they create an ecosystem that can sustain the enormous heights that they attain. It's the kind of, uh, the, the kind of strength that you could never get by plumbing the depths on your, on your own. It's the kind of uh, strength that you need and you get only by locking in with others. That somehow a community creates an ecosystem of strength that makes growth possible in ways we could never do on our own. And, and it's on the back of that image that I want to start to share with us along the line of the series called Gifts That Grow. Sorry, if I struggle a bit with my throat today as a family, we're all kind of fighting something off. And um, I, I will rem just... If I get a little bit carried away, just Luke, subdue yourself, calm down, be quiet. Your throat's not going to handle this. That's what you said to me in the front row. We're talking about a, just imagine with me, just imagine with me today, a community of people who God was working in and through, transforming the lives of every individual little by little through each encounter, a community of mutual ministry where the, the where the power of God is at work transforming lives, where the power of God flows through this ecosystem of ordinary Christ followers who've been supernaturally gifted by God and seeing Him renew and rebuild and build up lives of every individual in the midst of that community. This is the ecosystem of God's power and His grace. It's what this series, Gifts That Grow, is all about. And so let's open our Bibles. Uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7 to 16 together. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16, this ecosystem of God's power at work through the lives of ordinary Christ followers, supernaturally building up every, every Christ follower in the midst of our church. Ephesians 4, verse 7 through to 16. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended up on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended about higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave apostles prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Lord, this picture of the redwood tree, it's so hard to get out of our minds even when we read these scriptures. The whole body, joined together by every supporting ligament, builds itself up. Jesus, would you make that true of us as a, as a people, Lord Jesus? I pray, Christ, as we look at your word, you'd break us free from our individualistic culture sense of what's in it for me. What is, what, what's, what, what's the, how does this uh, pertain to my life only, Lord Jesus? And you'd start to open our eyes to value one another and the kind of um, beauty of a one another community, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would drop a revelation of the redwoods into us as a church, Lord Jesus. In a world that would cause us to just plumb our own depths on our own, Jesus, would you cause us to be the kind of people who can intertwine, who can value others, and together a tide of community would grow in us a maturity that we could never attain on ourselves, Christ. Come and speak to us from your word of this uh, area of spiritual gifts, we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's jump in. What I want to do is we read a big chunk of Scripture, so I just want to highlight one or two key verses as we build up a picture of what this passage is all about. And so look with me at verse 7. Um, if we can just bang up that foot. There it is there. But to each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. The first thing we see here is Christ apportions a grace on each one of our lives, okay? What does this grace look like? It sounds mysterious, and so verse 8 gives us a little bit more light there. In verse 8 we read, He gave gifts to His people. Do you see it there? Christ apportions a grace to, upon everyone or each one of us, and this grace looks like gifts that He gives to His people. What do these gifts look like? A little bit more specific in verse 11. So here it is again, Christ Himself gave. Here we see again, Jesus is the giver. What do these gifts look like? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Oh, um, you're going to hear me talk about four gifts, five gifts. I'll use the word four and five interchangeably. And I'll tell you why, because in the Greek here, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. You don't see it so much in the English, but in the Greek, it, it, it's, they, they're linked. They're, very, they, they, they're inseparable almost. So you get what is called the pastor, teacher gift. Um, and so, so maybe four gifts rather than three we see here. We see, just putting this together, Christ gives gifts to his church. He's the one who gives to every one of us, or, or each of us, um, and, and, and that those gifts look like these different kinds of giftings. Notice again, um, it's Jesus giving the gifts. Why did Jesus give the gifts in verse 12 and 13 tell us? The gifts were given in verse 12 and 13 to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The gifts are given to the church in order to equip and to mature God's people. And the context in which these gifts flow is in verse 16. 
From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, again, you think in the root system of the redwoods, grows and builds itself up in love. It's an ecosystem as each part does its work. The context of the gift and the way in which they operate is in the local church. The church, Christ's body, uh, is the context. Jesus sovereignly arranges our lives in order that we are part of an ecosystem of gifts, uh, which he has given to each one in order to build up the body to maturity. Let's put this all together. When you become a follower of Christ, the moment you cross the line of faith, you make Christ your king. You're welcomed in, as Baptist spoke to us in the beginning of this morning's meeting, as we looked at, uh, referred back to last week. You've been welcomed in to a relationship and life with the king. Every sin forgiven, guilt and shame removed, made, made right with God, just as if you had never sinned, just as if you'd never been out. You've been welcomed in. In that moment, Jesus adds you to his body. And when he adds you to his body, as we read, to each of us, there is a giftedness which Christ puts into you. This passage calls it a grace gift. It's not because you, were, you had the best character, because you, were, you got the highest mark for maths at school, or you were the fastest runner, or whatever. It's not because of anything like that. It's because Jesus himself apportions, according to his grace, a gift upon your life. And the purpose of this gift is what? So you can feel fulfilled in life. You can have meaning and purpose. No, the purpose of that gift is the maturing of others in whom the body uh, around which Christ has joined you. The overarching theme of this passage is the maturing and growing up of the church into Christ-likeness. And so the, the, the point of spiritual gifts is not, is not personal fulfillment. It's not even making a difference in the world. Uh, gifts are given in order to mature others in their Christ-likeness. The gifts are the means that Jesus has ordained, among other things, but certainly one of them, in order to grow our church, look around you, these people here, to maturity. And that's why we've called this series, Gifts That Grow. As a church, we want to grow this year. Spiritual formation is one of our key values. What is spiritual formation? The process of being formed into Christ-likeness. And what we're recognizing in this series is that we need Jesus' gifts that He gives to the church in order to grow us. It's such a great privilege to lead in a church context. It's, it's so different uh, than in business. And uh, I mean, business is great. And, and, and you know our view that there's no distinction between clergy and laity, but, but to lead in church is such a privilege in some ways because, because we don't decide what the structures and how things work in the church. The scriptures inform that for us. The passage speaks to us powerfully that Jesus has designed and organized and graced his church to grow. And so our commitment as leaders is to arrange and to organize our church in such a way as it reflects the way Jesus designed it in the scriptures. And what we see here is that every Christ follower is brought into a body which becomes an ecosystem, just like that root system of the redwoods. It becomes an ecosystem through which Christ is ministering to our lives. It goes without saying then, if you and I are to grow as Christ followers into maturity, we're going to have to grow in our understanding and our practice of these grace gifts. Does it not make sense? You read the letter Paul wrote to Ephesians. We just read from it now. We'll read in a second from Corinthians. You see it in the letter to Rome. We see it in Peter's instruction to the church. Spiritual gifts are part of the life of the church. And if we are going to mature and be equipped as into Christ-likeness, we are going to need all of us growing and understanding our spiritual gifts. Can I start just by saying for some of us this is going to be a stretch? 
For some of us, this is going to be a stretch. It's going to take us out from the safety of the realm in which we can understand and fits into our cognitive, um, like kind of what we can wrap our brains around, uh, but of, of our faith. Remember Christianity, uh, I've, I've said this often, Christianity makes tremendous sense of our world. There is a wealth of logic and reason which underpins our faith, which I am so grateful for. But Christianity is not limited to what I can understand and what my logic and reason can reason to be true. God is still alive. God is still active and he's still at work in our world today. God is not on the leash of our logic and our ability to figure and understand something. He's far bigger and freer than all of those things. These grace gifts come from God in his wisdom and in his power. Uh, In other words, God graciously gives us more than what we have in and of ourselves as Christ followers, more than our own ability to even understand and know how these things work. God gives us more than that, but as He graces us with His power at work through these gifts. It's such good news because your maturity is not limited to what you can know and understand and discover in and of yourself. Jesus knows what we need as a church. Jesus is the same Jesus who was present in this meeting as we worshipped him, is, 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 is presiding over our maturing as a church. And he who is the sovereign people arranger knows exactly the gifts that we need as a church, the works, the abilities that we need in our one anothering in order to mature all of us into Christ-likeness. It's something we've been longing for more and more as an eldership team over time. We've been praying for more of Christ's transformative power at work in our community and in our church. And this series is a kind of recognition. God, we need more than what we have. We need you to break in. We're so hungry for Christ-likeness. And we, we, we see in your word that you've ordained a maturity that comes through these ways. God, would you do this in our midst. And so in 2023, we're trusting God for an infusion of God's power and at work in our lives greater than we've experienced before. You'll notice about these gifts. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, and there's pastor teachers. Uh, They're all mentioned because Christ knows that in order to mature as a church, we need all of the gifts in order to grow into all of what Christ wants for us. And if I can be honest with you here for a second, I think our church is stronger in some gifts than in other church. I think you think our church is stronger in some gifts. Sorry, there's my throat. In some gifts than others as well. There are many of us who we observe. We realize, hang on, there's, there, we got like, there's a dude in America who uh, he committed to just train in the gym one side of his body. I don't know if you've seen this guy. You can Google him. He's on the internet. He gyms so hard, I think only the left side of his body. He's got the most enormous bicep, but everything on the other side is this scrawny little man, right? And uh, he was in a movie I've seen. I've seen pictures of him. But I, I think as a church, we can become a little bit like that. We can overachieve in certain gifts, uh, which is great, but then we're underachieving in others, which is, which is some, something we've got to recognize. One of the great privileges of being in a church like ours is we are not just in isolation. We're part of a family of churches called Advance. And I had the privilege last year of being at the Advance Global Conference where Andrew Wilson was the speaker. And Andrew called us on this as a movement. And he said, guys, 
Ephesians 4 has got all of these different gifts. He preached on this passage. It's what inspired the series, and we as elders grappled with this. And he said there's all these different gifts. He says, here's my, um, here's my observation of many of our churches. Many of our churches are led by pastor-teacher type gifts. And because if, if you're a pastor-teacher type, you, you know that gifting, and you're comfortable in that space, and so you can easily recognize it in other people, and you know how to develop people in that gifting. Because it's difficult to develop others in ways that you're weak yourself. And so the, the, what happens is that gift then gets reinforced and it develops at, and, and the others can wane. And he just called us on it. And, and we recognize as elders, as we, as we looked at those gifts, we are. That's us. He's got our number on this. And if we're going to grow and mature as a church in all that God wants for us, we need more than what we are currently living in. And so for the next five weeks, Gifts That Grow is going to unpack the gifts in which we need, um, we need extra sort of fanning into flame in our church. We're going to look next week at the apostolic gift and what that means for us as a church. We'll look, then the, the next week, we will see what I believe is one of the true apostles at work in our world today. Terry Virgo, who birthed uh, 40 years ago, New Frontiers as a movement of churches. Now, over a thousand churches all over the world. Terry's going to be here in our church ministering to us over both Sundays. It's a, just an amazing opportunity. He's an exceptional man. I've had the privilege of being around a few times. And now to have him in our church on that Sunday, so that's two weeks' time, just diarize that. It, it's going to be a, a massive one. Apostolic gift, then Terry Virgo, then the evangelistic gift. And then we're going to spend two weeks on the gift of prophecy. And you'll see why in a second, why doubling up on prophecy. But the hope behind the series is to ignite in us a fresh grace and a fresh power and a fresh hunger for God to move in and through us. And so let's start by looking at this in the context of a local church much like ours. The church in Corinth. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at a church that, like our church, is far from perfect, right? But like our church, Christ is working in us and through us and is maturing them like He's maturing us too. And we're going to see in that church that they have a power outside of themselves in the Holy Spirit who is alive and at work in their midst as we long for the same. Are you ready? Sort of. Do we need a shake around? Is there a little bit of um, just energy here? Guys, I, I hope you can see this in our hearts, that, that we long for more than what we have. We long for all that Christ has for us. And there's a recognition of our limitations as, as human beings, and a recognition of Christ, our need for Christ's grace, for God's power to, 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 to do what we could never do in order to reach what God's called us to reach. And, and that's what we're going to see in this series. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I wonder, are there some of us here today who'd say, yep, that's probably me. I'm quite uninformed about these things. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. I mean, what a powerful scripture. To each one, are you, are you a, in each one in this church? Yes, you are. What is given to us? A manifestation of the Spirit. What's it given for? For the common good. To one there is given uh, through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, the same, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. Verse 11, in all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. First thing I want to point out as we look at the scripture, that this list of gifts and the way in which Paul names them here is different than the one in Ephesus. The first thing that says to us then is that neither of these lists are exhaustive. They are representations of a wider group of gifts in which Christ gives to the church. Uh, In the Old Testament, there was the gift of craftsmanship. The need at the time was for the building of of the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the box in which the presence of God would dwell. There, 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 was, there was an intricacy that was required of detail and, and to put this together. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon two guys. I've forgotten. Maybe some of you will remember their name. There were two dudes. And the Spirit of God came upon them. And from just being like average Joe with the tools in the back garden, they came overnight into these extraordinarily gifted men to build this thing that God had given them. I wonder today if maybe there's, I'm just listening to Dirk on the sound today. Maybe this is not a spiritual gift. It's a natural gift. But what you did in the sound today, as, as, as we transition from Alexandra to, talking and praying into Lauren leading and the way in which you emphasize different things, it's like you, you stewarded something for us that enabled something to happen that was extraordinary. I, I, all that to say, I don't think these lists are exhaustive. And in life groups this week, we're going to learn about more gifts that we haven't mentioned even now. But the bigger thing I'm building to that we need to pick up on today is this, that God himself works through his followers to to mature his body. This is a definition, if you will, of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God himself working through his followers in order to mature his body. This is what, what, what spiritual gifts are all about. Sam Storms in his book, Practicing the Power, I'm going to read us a quote, and then I want to recommend to you two books if you're interested in this. The gifts are God himself working in and through us. They are concrete, often tangible, visible, and vocal disclosures of divine power showcased through human activity. Let's go slow again. These gifts are God himself, this is God at work, in and through you and me. They are concrete Often tangible, visible, vocal disclosures of divine power showcased through human activity. So there's a part we get to play in this as well. It's through human activity. It's not like you were just bypassed as you were, you, you know, you were a passive person. In that. No, no, you're active in this. A gift of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit Himself coming to clear and sometimes dramatic expression in the lives of God's people as they minister to one another. The emphasis is on one another ministering and building one another up. These are two books I'd love to recommend to you if you want to know a bit more of this, both by Sam Storms. He's a phenomenal guy. His theology is right because let's be honest, we've seen some wacky stuff when it comes to these sorts of things, and I'll be the first to admit that. 
This is a guy who gets it right. Here's uh, two books by him, Practicing the Power and uh, Understanding Spiritual Gifts. Probably I'd recommend Understanding Spiritual Gifts first. If you want to read, and we're going to do this over five weeks. So this is a lacquer supplement to this series. You can get them on Kindle. That's where I got them. And um, brilliant, brilliant read over this time. If you look closely at the word that Paul used in verse 6, the word uh, of empowers. We read it in 1 Corinthians um, 12 there. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God uh, at work. Did I not get it in verse 6? The, the Greek word that we read there was empowers. In fact, the most accurate translation we have for that word is energizes. The same word that is used to describe energy coming into a light bulb is the same word that Paul is using here for empowering. These are, these are God at work. That's why they're called manifestations of the Spirit's power. And so it's a pity it's load shedding because I crafted this illustration in my mind, not thinking of load shedding. But each of these globes are different shaped, right? And I want you to imagine them glowing with power. This one's maybe in the shape of an apostle. This one may be in the shape of an evangelist, right? This one may be, I don't know what I'm saying about the different shape, but you get the idea here as you try and mix this metaphor and come with me in my strange mind here, right? This one in the shape of the apostle, this one in the shape of an evangelist, this one in the shape of a prophet, this one in the shape of a pastor teacher. Each of these gifts are different in shape, but, but yet when you switch on the power, it's the same power that energizes all of them is what Paul is saying here. Behind spiritual gifts, it's God's power at work behind all all of them. It's God himself working through the lives of ordinary believers like you and me to mature one another. Christ is the one who gives the gifts. The Spirit is the one who's at work in them. So what's your role and what's my role and what's this series all about over the next five, four or five weeks? Here's where we want to land today. Over the next five weeks, I want to encourage you to four D's. You know, preachers, we love our alliteration, right? Four Ds. We're going to discover, we're going to desire, we're going to develop, and we're going to deploy spiritual gifts. Come on, hey? Discover, like a little amen or something, hey? <laughs> discover, desire, develop, and deploy the gifts that God has given you. Discover, desire, develop, and deploy the gift or gifts. I mean, we're just baby steps for some of us, just one gift for others, the gifts that God has given you. Let's take a look. Discover in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. Paul wants us to know that if you're in Christ, you are, you've been gifted with a spiritual gift. If you're in Christ, you've been gifted with this grace gift that comes from Him. Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit, wants to minister through a gift that He has put into you. He, he knows you. He created you. In fact, you are, not, you are more fully known to Christ than you are even known to yourself. How best do you discover your spiritual gifts? Now, I'm going to give us a lame way to do it, but it's important. And then I'm going to give us the best way to do it, okay? I know, I know, you, you know, why are you thinking, why, why should we do the lame one? It's just, it's so helpful, and it's a great place to start. So this week, we're going to send out through our broadcast list a spiritual gift survey. You can complete this, it's a Google form, and it's a series of questions, which you're gonna, you can fill in, all of, just your answer for these things, and it will generate for you uh, kind of like a, a starting point for discovering your gift, right? 
And so that's really helpful and all of that, but it's a little bit lame um, because it's all about you. And you know, it's not asking any questions of the people around you, right? It's all about me and my life and what I like to do and my passion. You know how I feel about that stuff. Um, but, <laughs> but there's a starting point to that, you know? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are Christ's workmanship, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He has prepared in advance for us. Which means you're His workmanship. There is something in the way in which Christ has brought you, made you unique to who you are, which does reflect and shine a light on the particular gifts that are in you. But, but that, as we saw, is, is secondary to the ministering to the body around you. The best way to discover your spiritual gift is look at the needs around you, pray, and just start serving. Look at the needs around you, because remember, your gift is not yours. It's not like you're unwrapping a present for you on Christmas Day. That's not the context of spiritual gifts. The context of spiritual gifts is actually we as a church are unwrapping a gift that God has given to us as a body through the lives of other people. And so the easiest way to know what gifts God can give you is look at the needs, because you might see needs that others don't, and start meeting them uh, by, by just serving and loving, and all the whilst praying, and watch what God does. Sam Storm says it far better than me. He says, my recommendation is that, Christ, is that Christians should stop this persistent, introspective navel-gazing, and simply step out and begin to love and serve others in concrete acts of ministry. In doing so, I'm confident your gift will find you. <laughs> Isn't that just beautiful? Remember, the gifts God gives you are actually for those around you. So rather than look inside yourself, although we're going to do it in our survey, but like, we're going to start to love and serve those around us. Discover, number one. And it's a journey, guys. It's a journey. Remember, if Jesus gave us the gifts, he's going to help us to work them out as well. So our confidence is not in our ability to figure this all out and whatever. It's in Christ who presides over our church. He's going to help us and enable us to do this. The second one is desire. 1 Corinthians 12, 29 to 31. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Verse 31. Now eagerly desire the spiritual, sorry, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. God wants you and I to desire more gifts, to desire greater gifts. Are you hungry for God's power to work through you to build others up? I'm not talking about selfish ambition. I'm not not talking about pride. I'm not talking about platform. I'm just talking about a humble hunger for God to work through you to build others up. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the posture I want to call us to as a church. Hungry for God and prayerful for God to move through you and your life. Some of us are already there. Just keep being humble, keep being hungry. Keep being humble, keep being hungry. Those two H's. Keep being humble, keep being hungry. For others of us, your your prayer actually starts with this, God, this is new. This hasn't even been on my radar. But God, it sounds like in your word, this is what you want for me. So God, put a desire in my heart. For some of us, that's the prayer you pray. Desire the gifts, especially the ones that are more powerful to build others up. Did you see that? That Paul actually says in there, go be hungry for the gifts that are more powerful, the greater gifts. How do you define a gift as greater or lesser? It's not the one that creates a bigger platform. It's the one that builds the church up more profoundly. Desire those ones. Look around and say, God, I see a need. Could you gift me with that? 
It's not arrogant to do that. It's, it's humble to say, Christ, we don't have what it takes. We need you. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. How about this one? Explicitly saying so. Pursue love. Remember chapter 13, the, the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, the very next verse. Pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, we've got that. Especially that you may prophesy. That's why we're going to spend two weeks on prophecy. Because it's the, the teaching of the scriptures that especially this gift of prophecy. We need to desire that in our church. And so earnestly desire spiritual gifts and uh, be hungry for the ones that would build others up more and more. Which prophecy certainly seems to be one of those. Make sense so far? Great. Let's go. Number three. Develop. Develop the gift that God has given you. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts, okay, so you've got desire, right? Since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, now try to excel in those that build up the church. Okay, you've discovered you're desirous. Sorry, can I double back one? Just makes sense to, I forgot to say something here. If you can desire other gifts, it means that you're not locked into your one gift that you discover as well your whole life. Does that make sense? If Paul's saying, no, no, eagerly desire, then, then it means that you're not locked in for the rest of your life as well. So it's not, a, it's not like a straitjacket or a noose or something like that. No, 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 you can be hungry for God to do more things. It's an ongoing developing, trusting Him for more and more in through your life. And so, 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 so that's important to flag as well. Anyway, developing, we said, try to excel in those that build up the church. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 as well, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. There must have been a moment in Timothy's life where Paul, who was a leader in his life, laid his hands on him and prayed for him. I know I've laid hands, and many of us as leaders have laid hands on many of you in this church, and we've prayed for God to increase his gifting on your life. In fact, just interesting seeing Baptist and Alexandra here today um, leading this meeting. I remember a moment about two, three years ago in the school hall stall when we were just referring back, and you spoke of an evening where Peter and Viv Jenkins kick-started something and speaking in a, it was a firelighters meeting and they prayed for you and something stuck in your heart. And now, two years later or three years, whatever it is later and a COVID pause as well, here you are leading a meeting, just serving God in a profound way. Why? Because you've been fanning into flame. You've been, you've been, you've been faithful to the gift that God has put in you. And it happened through laying on of hands and praying as Pete and Viv did just that in their home all those years ago. So, so what the point I'm making is let's try to excel, let's develop, let's grow. As much as it's God's power at work in and through you, we grow and we learn as we practice these gifts that God has given us. Your ability for God to use you over time is not capped by what you know now and your gifting now. Because Christ wants to develop and grow you. So I want to commission us as a church. Let's grow. Let's ask others. Let's try. Let's watch others. Let's get it wrong with good intentions and then try again, right? And I, and I want to say to us, can you see why life groups are so vitally important then? I mean, this Sunday gathering, is, uh, as much as we've got two gatherings and that helps us to be able to limit in size as well to fit in here, but, but still... To, to do these things in the context of 100 people is so much more difficult than in the context of 10 or 11, you know. That's where we can cut our teeth and we can learn. So I want to encourage us in our life groups over the next few weeks, would you take a couple of risks? Would you ask a few questions? Would you try and let's, try, let's trust God to grow us in this area? 
just as an aside, and we're coming into land shortly, I'd love us as a church to launch four new life groups in the next two weeks. Four new life groups in the next few weeks. Why? Because I know as you listen, as I've just made this point around life groups, a whole bunch of us have gone, yeah, fair enough, but I'm not in a life group yet. That's okay. We want to launch new groups. And so if you're not in a life group yet, there is, as you walked in by the coffee, just fill out a form and we're going to launch a bunch of new groups. And you won't even have to join a group where everybody knows each other and it's like a little clicky and you know, now you come in as the outsider. And we're going to launch one together, right? Avoid all of that peanut butter to swim through and start one at scratch, right? But then there's some of us here today who actually I think you've been in a life group for some time. And you love your people, and they're nice, and I'm not saying anything to the contrary. <laughs> but it's actually time to launch out on your own and, and to lead your own life group, to facilitate your own life group. If that's you, would you come and speak to me? I want to do everything I can to help get you ready to do just that as well. Anyway, so we're talking about discovering. We're talking about desiring. Now we're talking about developing. We're talking about trying, growing, asking others, watching others, getting it wrong with good intentions, and trying again. Lastly, just do it. Deploy. Uh, verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. These gifts are God at work, so I'm saying just let Him work through you. Just let Him work through you in faith. These abilities are given by God to us to not sh sit on the shelf of potential. Sure, that was nearly, that was nearly trouble. Sit on the shelf of potential. She sells seashells by the seashore. Sure. These gifts are not given to sit on the shelf of potential collecting dust in your life and then taken to the grave. No, deploy them to the glory of God and the benefit of others for the common good. Take a risk. Be courageous. Love and serve your brothers and sisters. As we land today, can I, we're going to do something a little bit different, and it's something that the church has done throughout the, the ages. Well, can I ask us to stand together and read the scripture out loud together as a people? If you're new to church, hey, we don't do this every week, and we're not chanting or trying to do some kind of fancy thing like seance or whatever. As much as we as a church recognize that we are formed and gathered and shaped by the Scriptures. And so corporate reading of Scripture together is a beautiful thing we're going to engage in. So can we stand together? We're going to read the Scripture, and then I would love to pray for us as we do so. Just get some water. Are you ready? On your marks, get set. So Christ Himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip these people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all achieve unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You have a plan and purpose for our lives and for our church. And that plan and desire is that we would mature into the fullness of Christ-likeness. Jesus, we recognize we need more than what we have, but also we recognize that you are gracious and you are good 
and you are with us. And so, Christ, we ask you as a people, we ask you for gifts. Well, we first ask you for desire in, in our hearts. I realize for some of us, this is, hasn't been on your radar. God, put a desire in our hearts. If that's you, would you pray this prayer? God, put a desire in my heart. I, I didn't even think you could use me. It wasn't even on my radar. I thought maybe you did that for other people, other like, sort of fancy Christians or more holy Christians or more gifted people. Yet you say today, Jesus, each one of you, that's me. I pray today, God, for those in this gathering who hadn't even considered the fact that you wanted to gift them and that they had a contribution to make that is vital for the maturing of others. If that's you, would you reach out to Christ now and say, Jesus, that's me. I want, I want it, Jesus. In spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done, because you are gracious, would you pour out your gifting on my life, Jesus? Take a second to pray that prayer to Jesus. Still yet others, Lord, you, you've gifted them, but for whatever reason, they've been on the shelf in their lives. Jesus, I want to dust this thing off. Jesus, freshly, God, would you use me? Put a hunger in me, Jesus, to live the redwood life of, of one anothering. Jesus, there's gifts that our church needs. God, would you put a gift in me that our family needs, Jesus? wish I could lay hands on all of you right now. Even Jesus, right now in this place, would you pour out gifts upon your body? Come Holy Spirit, Jesus, you are the gift giver. Spirit, you are the energizer of those gifts. Would you pour out gifts on us as a church, Lord Jesus? Come Lord, in power pray for prophecy to be released in and through us. The ability to hear your voice and share it with others. Pray, Lord Jesus, for evangelism to be released in this place, Lord Jesus. Come, Christ. Gifts of healing, Lord Jesus. So we heard that testimony from Patty today. Jesus, this is humility asking, not arrogance. It's an acknowledgement that we do not have to represent in this community and to one another the fullness of Christ, but graciously you close the gap by empowering our lives. So Jesus, I ask that you would give us gifts. In the coming weeks of this series, before we go to bed, when we wake up in the morning, we'd hear your prompting, Holy Spirit. We'd hear your leading to our lives.